0: Hey, welcome to the first ever episode of the Racking Focus Podcast. I'm Josiah Blizzard.
1: And I'm John Doyle, and we're here at the United Artists Theater in King of Prussia to see Avengers Endgame.
0: We are gonna go into the theater, watch the movie, come right back out, sit in the car, and give you our honest feedback, our our first thoughts of the movie, and the filmmaking behind the movie
1: that brought it to life. And after we've taken those moments in the car to capture that initial response, we're going to take a couple of days. Go check out Reddit, talk to our friends, look at uh, reviews online, and then come back with a new fresh take, uh, another focus on the movie, and talk about it again. Ready? Uh, Yeah, let's go in. Cool. Let's go.
0: You're listening to the Racking Focus Podcast. Okay.
1: All right, so that was <laughs> Avengers Endgame. All right.
0: There's no way we're going to be able to talk about this entire thing in 20 minutes for this first segment because it's a three-hour-long film, and there's just too much. I don't even remember half of it, I feel like, only because so much happened?
1: Yeah. you on the I, same page? I think, you know, the... I think we have to talk in some broad strokes and we probably have to talk about some things that were visually particularly interesting or, you know, editing or or, uh, story points that drove home really well.
0: Okay, so the biggest thing was this three-act structure for me, like very clear. I mean, it's a three-hour film, two and a half, half, maybe 245, but there's clearly act one, act two, act three all the way, like you can, you can just tell when you break into two, when you break into three, um, all the way down to, you know, an all, all this lost moment. Uh, at least for me picking those things up, like it was very clear. I'd lean over to Steph and be like, time is it? And she, I, she would tell me it's an hour in. I was like, okay, well, we just broke into two. Um, so they were completely just on target with, with timing and editing. Um, as far as the, story-act structure goes, you
1: know? Yeah, you know, they they started for us with the character who's missing, right? So yeah. we start with Hawkeye, and we have this really, really interesting run down the hill with a shaky cam shot following him, yep. completely out of character for yep. what we see for, through the rest of the film, because everything's so polished, right? With the yeah. digital effects, and there's this crazy <laughs> shaky cam structure. I
0: felt like I was thrust into a Jason Bourne film, or no, no, what's worse, maybe The Hunger Games, uh, first, first uh, movie. Uh, which i hated because of that shaky cam right but this felt completely in character as far as camera goes um it was completely smooth dolly shots steady cam shots up until they disappeared this is spoiler filled just letting right you i guess you should say that should right should say at that the start. At, the, at the front this is spoiler filled if you're listening this far it's, it's your own fault
1: yeah so so um i what i thought was really interesting about that is that um it, seldom in a marvel film do we see cameras as part of character right yeah. like often the ca- camera is simply existing to drive our adrenaline or to drive our emotional yeah. state and here we have a character's emotional state being represented not from pov which is like the simple technique you right. you might see in, in, in a simple cheap easy way but but in a real sort of rich interesting movement and it was really shaky i mean it was extraordinarily really
0: shaky, shaky. I, I was a little bit nervous uh after that shot for like i didn't know if they were going to go overboard with that later on because this i mean the movie had the going into it the movie had the uh i was nervous before coming to the theater because (laughs) because i wasn't sure what was going to happen and if they're going to do the shaky camera effect up front like it's not even crazy yet like what what are they going to do later on so uh that was really the only time i really noticed the camera
1: yeah absolutely in the movie um yeah, I think you know um, we saw a really standard sort of shot reverse shot structure mm-hmm. and dialogue, and you, so much of the movie has digital effects, and so right. there's a limited number of sort of wild, thoughtful camera things you can do with a, a movie that is so digitally yeah. driven. Um, and I don't mean to limit the digital idea, but you're, no, you just no, have no. structures. I mean, there's things you, you yeah. You well,
0: need uh, you're to talking do. about uh, a movie, right, that is so heavily relied on CGI. Uh, that every single shot has to be smooth, planned out. There's no like, "Hey, cam up." I just want you to run with it. But you can do that in that first in that first scene with Clint because there really was no CGI. You they, you just you knew what happened based off of Infinity War when the family's there and you turn back around after uh, you know a reverse shot and the family's gone. I mean, you know exactly what happened. Uh, so the fact that they didn't have to use any CGI really for those moments. I mean, you saw a pile of dust, maybe a little bit of on the ground from the daughter shooting the arrows. But other than that, like you, they gave f- a full control and for actually for the first few scenes, it felt like they were taking a very indie film approach to, uh, some of the storytelling. Um, the, the lighting in, uh, Tony's ship, um, was the only other moment that I noticed. They were very, very, uh, I don't know. Light, lighting, lighting played a major role in that scene. Him getting back in the chair after he kind of fell asleep, and you're not sure if you saw something come on the horizon out there, right? Right. And not a sure little, what it is. There's, there's a little there's, speck that maybe popped
1: up. Yeah, and there's something happening on a screen yeah. off to his right.
0: Yeah, right. And his, I'm, I'm like, is this face starting to glow a different color? And then all of a sudden, it's this big whoosh of stuff, and it's Captain Marvel, right? So. Uh that was really the only other time I noticed lighting being very, very, I don't know, distinctive. Um, everywhere else, it kind of just it blended in for me.
1: Yeah, uh, the other thing I'd say about the opening was they took their time with all of it, mm-hmm. right? So we got a sense of time passage, even though that wasn't significant time in the story yeah. at that point. But we were reminded immediately of of the intimacy of death, right? We've had, yeah. as an audience, a very long time to deal with right. the loss of these characters. And we were able to sort of reinvigorate that with the stuff with Clint. And then to have the idea of death, uh, and Tony's death in particular, really laid out so firmly in that opening scene. Yeah. Uh, and that's a plant-and-payoff moment if ever there oh. was one, oh, um, yeah. for sure. big time,
0: Big Oh, big time. Um, yeah, you have... I mean, all we saw in Infinity War, right, was uh, the Avengers losing members of their team. We never saw a family member being lost. Other, than, Obviously, they're all family in the Avengers, right? But you see actual impact from somebody who was once in the Avengers who's kind of taken a step back, is on house arrest, obviously due to the ankle bra- uh, ankle bracelet we saw in the beginning. But you see real impact, and that drives Clint to do his thing. And I feel like I have to talk about with you this very Ronan-style uh, Ronin style, uh Samurai moment. Yeah. Uh, Because I I felt you get excited in the seat next to me when that happened. Tell me what was going through your head.
1: So so I have to say that one of the things I thought, and I I hesitate to use the word fan service, but one of the things that this film did in particular was it really took its time reaching back into comic book source material. Right, And, uh, you know, I've heard and read that Ronan was going to be in this, and it is a character that Clint takes on. And, you know, the level of violence was extraordinary for a Disney Marvel film. It was. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not necessarily graphic. And I'd say that was the distinct difference. So it isn't sort of Logan slicing open a face in the opening (laughs) scene, but that level of violence is pretty high. And it's exciting to see that character, again, this thing they've done uh, and over and over again, uh, bringing these like really B or C characters right. from the comics out and giving them a position to play. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I didn't, so I did not expect a Thanos head decapitation coming, like did not expect it. Um, I guess when you're talking about a film that is three hours long and you have so much time to work with you killed off half your characters in the previous film, you kind of have to start from ground zero. It's like they reintroduced a whole nother villain after Thanos died and brought Thanos to the future. I, you know what I mean? This this whole thing is like three back to the future films merged into an action film. It had a bit of everything. If I am really thinking about this movie, um,
1: Well, certainly it was genre-bending, right? So, you know, it plays the the heist film concept, plays all through it. I mean, the music was so heavily laden in, like, traditional heist music. The the other thing I thought was really interesting was all of the sort of uh, callbacks to previous uses of music. Uh, In particular, the sequence when uh, we're seeing Star-Lord... Uh, Quill sort of doing his dance and we yep. see the music and it's without the credits, right? And it's right. this vastly different visual representation. We're, we're we're pulled way back from the action. We're seeing it really third person. Yeah. He does his little dance. And then, of course, we go the final step where the music is dropped out and we hear him sing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we get the gag, which is charming in its own right. And yet we also know what that looked like if you're not watching yeah. a movie.
0: Yes. Yeah. Right. Cause, cause you start guardians of the galaxy, you immediately, you immediately like him. You don't feel like he's an idiot while he's doing that. You just maybe feel a little bit of arrogance and, but you feel like he's a fun guy, but you step back It's that's the power of editing, right? Is right. when you're on the other side of the camera on set, that must've been ridiculous to watch and you probably felt no. ridiculous doing it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. once it's all cut together, music's in there, the editing's in there, sound effects and everything like that, uh, Yeah, it's amazing, the the magic of editing. Um, There is so much. I don't even know where to go next because this movie had so much in it. Uh,
1: (laughs) So so why don't we take a a moment or two and talk about um, sort of the surprises uh, that took place in that first sequence. So we get, Mm -hmm. you know, Thor appears in Mm -hmm. a drastically different... I mean, (laughs) talk about leaning into the comedic Thor they're creating in Ragnarok um uh we get taiko atiti back um you know
0: they they brought fan favorites in for sure um i mean it was the i mean the theater would erupt every time a new character came in it was great to see valkyrie back it was great to see korg and meek is his name Uh, yeah i think think his yeah korg is the real hero
1: but uh, and Meek should sort of be dead. I'll be honest with you, but no, yeah, it's great to see yeah, him alive. Yes. Whatever.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, going back to Thor and leaning into that, uh, really comedic, cause I, look, I, I hated the first two Thor movies. I, I really did not like them. Um, Thor just, he felt like he should be comedic, but it was, they were kind of landing flat. Right. The jokes were landing flat and then thank God Taika came in and, uh, kind of revamped him. But yeah, leaned hard into that, and you even got a Lebowski joke. Right, absolutely, uh, well know, played. And, and yes, and then you lean even harder into the that entire Lebowski joke, like he's on Asgard, and I feel like he's actually in a bathrobe, and you might as well just say the rug tied the room together at that right, point. Please absolutely. just make the joke, like accidentally. Even he hasn't seen the movie, but uh, yeah, Thor was Thor was a welcome surprise uh, in that very weird yeah you of sort shape.
1: of i feel like again the movie was breaking some barriers yeah. and that's one where people are expecting something quite different and and he's the actor who's going to let right. that go right so he right. can let himself be completely out of whack as a, yeah. as an actor and get away with it still look great right yeah um and i and i thought too that one of the things they did with him that was really interesting was they continually allowed him to find moments of strength like you could see the strength present yeah um Uh, I thought that they did a wonderful job um, finding people's heart center for each character to give us time to embrace, right? Yeah. So from a storytelling standpoint, I felt like over and over again, we went right to the appropriate heart character. Mm -hmm. Now, as a writer, that's manipulation of us, perhaps. Yeah. But I thought it was spectacular, and the time with his mother was, in, in particular, both lovely And meaningful because we were with several of these historical characters who had time sensibility, right? They knew more. Uh, And I thought that was really interesting.
0: Yeah. uh, Yeah. And you talk about it being manipulation. And that's, I mean, that's really all film is, right? Alfred Hitchcock says dramas, dramas, a life with the boring bits cut out. And that is manipulative to an extent, right? Just because that's not what life is in any way. Uh, people are running
1: into the theater right That's right. right. <laughs> yeah. Well, time its probably late, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, we,
0: we have 10.56. Uh, uh, yeah, so there you know, might, it's probably an 11
1: o'clock show yeah, they're they going are in late. for. They are best not getting trouble. popcorn, no. No.
0: Uh, the, the, the biggest point that stuck out to me as far as like from a storytelling aspect, and we brought up a little bit of, uh, you know, Tony in the beginning, um, thinking of his imminent death on this ship that is going to run out of oxygen, and he just wants... He just wants to make it back home um, and survive. But I think more than that, he wishes that he could make it right. Um, Cut to three hours later to the end uh, where you have a, spoiler, self-sacrifice. He knew exactly what was happening when he snapped his fingers. He knew he would die. He knew there was no coming back from that. Strange even said, like, if I tell you what's going to happen, it won't happen. You tell Tony that you're the one who's going to sacrifice your life for the rest of us, that moment there'd be a hesitation and that hesitation even a split second could could cause things to, to shift in Thanos' favor. Um, but somebody, as, a, as a Christian who goes to church, who grew up in the church, uh, thinking about the greatest story ever told, without, I'm not gonna get religious on y'all, but uh, you have a character of Jesus Christ and over and over again in cinema the stories that mean the most to me and that hit me the hardest are the stories of self-sacrifice. And those are the characters that, that you just deeply love and admire. And like, would I do that in that, in that moment? Um, so I think as far as Tony's entire story arc goes from two, what is it, 2008 Iron Man came out, you see him as an arrogant, cocky, I am going to look out for myself and nobody else to giving up his life for the entire planet. That is, that is a massive, massive character arc.
1: Yeah, and he certainly had time to think. I mean, I, yeah. one of the things that happened that moment, he, he it isn't rushed. You know, we right. have a lot of rushing in the final battle sequence. Yeah. And, you know, it's a CGI wonderland. And so you're, you know, in some cases, there's no actors anywhere to be seen, right? right? right. It's just, <laughs> you know, these tons of people making visuals and then ADR uh, mm-hmm. voice, right, As, is happening yeah. in relationship. And then you get a moment where we literally have people in this environment Taking a moment to think and make a choice. Yeah. And, you know, talk about a great way to bookend a series. So, this is the end of your third phase, right? right. And it is the, the, you end it by ending the phase one character that gave birth to the franchise, yeah. right? Like, this whole thing is built out of a successful experience with um, one Iron Man movie no one thought was going to be great. Right. And you end with a film. Where that's arced, and yeah. Captain America's arc is the same. And you know, I had I was really feeling like he was going to be the one to go in this film. Yeah, and the choice they made with him is 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 exactly the appropriate choice for the arc of that story. One
0: hundred percent agree. I even leaned over to Steph at one point after the entire time jump conversation began with them, and I said, "He's going back." to 1945 or whenever it was that he he landed in the ice. He's cuz he can't bump into himself. He can't alter time. He's just going to he's going to avoid himself. He's stuck in the he's right. stuck in ice for 70 years. He doesn't have to worry about any of that. Uh, so like I knew that I was like he's he's got to go back. It doesn't make sense for him to do anything else. And I imagine probably in the writers' room that that was a very clear decision that needed to be made. Um, and then the passing the torch in multiple ways it, it wasn't just from Captain America to Sam, where there was right. another passing the torch from, I can't remember.
1: Well, we, we, there was a, there was torch passing at the end, yeah. like over and over again. And we yeah. got to really see characters making transitions. Um, and certainly that was, th- that was the biggest, the most clear, you know, but we had the, the movement from uh, the, who's ruling Asgard, right? That transition. Right. Oh, the yes. The film, yeah. You have you the little
0: Valkyrie. Um, Just keep an eye on
1: time. Yeah. That's great. So, um, you, you know i would also say what you know if we go back and we talk about some uh, some things just sort of in the the center of the film uh, cuz yeah. i mean it's it's there's so it's just such a film. it's a jam packed movie film um, you know, when we when we look at the center of the film, we are back in people's lives again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all of that close-up work, um, often with moving cameras, like the Marvel movies like to do, like the Russos they like yep. that that sort of almost artificial camera movement right. taking place, um, and yet uh, from the we were we were intimate in with people, and and as we kept getting surprise visits by people from somewhere along the right. the you know the th- three phases of filmmaking yeah um each of those people got their level of intimacy with yeah. us on the screen
0: yeah um, i agree with that um there's characters they brought back like tilda swinton's character that i just didn't expect them to bring back like they really this movie is so packed for, like i need to see it like two or three more times i yeah, feel absolutely. like for, to really understand what i just watched um but center of the movie, as far as act two goes, um, cause we talked about act one a bit. We talked about act three. There's just not enough time to talk about everything. Um, did you feel like at any point act two obviously is out, is the, is the point for me where things start to drag right. a little bit here for me. It didn't, it was just a constant go, go, go. Um, even in those intimate moments, like you're talking about where, uh, Tony meets his father and, um, cap almost bumps into his uh was it was peggy maggie yeah peggy. yeah peggy um so even in those moments like I'm, I'm still worried i'm like is howard gonna discover the is the suitcase gonna open no, and the, and the tesseract's gonna fall out and there's gonna be issue and there's but the everything they did was so thoughtfully done um yeah down, down to like the last second of the film
1: Yeah, and, you know, in that center section where they break the parties into Mm -hmm. other groupings, right? So we have some really interesting pairings, duos. Yeah. And um, we know some things that they don't know, right? Yes. So I feel like this film didn't shy away from saying you're going to sort of know some things that are going to happen.
0: Yeah, Uh, yeah. There's the, I don't don't remember what it's called. It's the irony, right, where the audience knows something that the characters don't specifically with. Uh, Clinton and Nat, right? Right. Um, and uh, yeah, their their journey when they said that they're going to uh, find the soul stone, I was like, oh god! Like, everybody in the theater is dreading this moment. Right. We know we know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um,
1: well, and you know, there's conversations about the Scarlet Witch film, so or not Scarlet Witch film. this uh, Black Widow film, yeah. and so we're like, wait, hold on. Yeah. What's what's happen happening? Here? And and we know we we think we know an outcome, mm-hmm. which we get flipped by and, and that's one of those moments too where they're completely surrounded by cgi right like yeah. there's nothing in the world but two actors fighting <laughs> right. in cgi yeah um and that you just give that job to good actors yeah uh and they carry the they, they completely
0: pull it off i mean you probably look at the behind the scenes they're just on a whole bunch of blue screen um and even in the in those moments of them fighting with each other and who's going to jump off the cliff it's still completely your camera's like we're like this close to them. It's intimate moments.
1: Yeah, that, uh, those last moments where they're sort of holding on to each other. Yeah. The, it was so good to see instead of a wide shot or an over-the-shoulder shot, we're getting yeah. like these intimate moments where we're watching pe- actors be right. able to make choices. Right. Um, and that's that's the difference between an emotionally resonant film and a, a movie that's not, exactly. right?
0: Back, and even back to the whole self-sacrificing thing. Like they were both just ready to die not just for each other but still for the for the stone ultimately for the planet and not just for the planet but for the universe right um, so there's i mean for me I think characterizing this film as a self sacrifice would you would you lay your life down for somebody else if, if you if you had to if it came to that um, so yeah man there's there's a whole lot to unpack
1: uh, yeah so um yeah, let's let's talk about the big reveal at the end because that's worth at least addressing 100 the yeah. the sort of return moment right um so so like a, as as a comic book fan it's was the splashiest page of any splash page i've ever seen right <laughs> yeah like that moment that was the pull, big pulled back moment oh, with gosh. all of the open circles yeah um and the you know we know the language of this world really well. Like we understand if you've watched these films and they expect you to, you know what's happening in those moments. Um, and each of those reveals, as you said, got applause from the audience in, right. in response. Um, right. and response. Th- and wisely, as filmmakers, they gave time. like yep. they know that those things are going to have to take place. Um, but I guess what I want to uh, ask about is the, you know, that big the battle between the three Avengers, right? Yeah, the main
0: three in, uh, and Thor uh,
1: and Captain America and Iron Man. Sort of, w- w- what were your thoughts during that?
0: I was on the edge of my seat the whole time, because at any moment, he's going to slice one of them in half. I mean, we saw Thanos' head come off in the first act. I was like, the, you, they could do anything at this point. And at one point, I did think that Cap was going to get it. Um, I was right, less
1: sliced a little bit or something. There's some contact he, that's made. Yeah, yeah, right. I
0: think he gets his leg or something, but then he breaks his shield in half, which is impressive considering it's vibranium. I don't know what his his sword is made of, but yeah. it's something stronger than vibranium, right? Or maybe it is vibranium. Or I, pfft, look, but I was on the edge of my seat the whole time, not sure what was happening, and and I think the biggest moment there, <laughs> like that caught me by surprise, was Cap being able to hold the hammer. Right. That was that was really. I, I have no words for that. Like, right. it was incredible. And as
1: a comic book fan, that's a payoff, right? right. So, like, we know that's the case. Like, as a comic yeah. book fan, I know that he's one of the hammer holders. Okay. But hammer using is different than hammer holding. Yeah. And that stuff was extraordinary, right? The, you know, we, Thor's gets his joke line in too. Like, again, just masterfully dropping the joke yeah. in. I, you know, I knew it. Like, that moment is so good. Um, and their jokes don't undercut the.
0: Tension or action, like they do a really good job of placing the joke in there and the actor actually delivering the line in the appropriate amount of time without it, and it's the right joke. It's not, it's not something over the top. Whereas I feel like the last couple, and we're gonna dive into Star Wars for just a quick second. I feel like the last couple Star Wars films have, as much as I've liked them, the humor that they've used has really kind of undercut some of the action and tension for me. Uh, so the Russos, I don't remember, I don't know if they wrote it as well. I'm sure they were in on the screenwriting process, but down to their directing and uh, editing decisions. I, the jokes never landed in a weird way or in a way that undercut any sort of tension or action.
1: Yeah, I think so many of them are character driven too. So we know mm-hmm. these people and we know right. what they say, right? Right. Um, and uh, so when Rocket says something that's wildly inappropriate, <laughs> it's it's fine yeah. because it doesn't derail the story because it's part of the- It's his character. Yeah, It's right. his character. It's, it's what it's,
0: he would say in that moment.
1: And the way these people have been interacting for right. us. Like one of the benefits of the film, right, is that they, they have all of these other movies to rely on for character development. Yeah. And so in a way, you know there was, um, you know, originally this was supposed to be a two-part experience, right? right. So there was a gauntlet and, and end game. And, and in fact, it's really two separate movies. And I, I don't know if I'd want to watch them as one five and a half hour block, I, whether, I mean, five and a half hours is a lot of time anyway, yeah. but in a binging culture, it's not. And I'm not sure I want to do that. I think right. what, what I might want to do is, um, watch them separately and have that gap time between so that the movies can resonate and do the work that they're designed to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, overall, what did you think of the film? If you were to give it a rating right now, one out of 10, 10 being the best movie you've ever seen in your entire life <laughs> and one being like The Room.
1: So it's, it's almost impossible to answer that question. Yeah. Uh, and we, this is the first time we're doing it, so this is an experience. <laughs> I would say I'm going to give this film an eight, all right? Um, but, um, but I want to say... Second to that is Mm. there's things that I have concerns about in the movie that we haven't talked about because we don't have time. I give it a 10 as an experience of uh, going to the cinema. As
0: far as a superhero movie goes, what would you give it? Yeah,
1: it's like as good as you get as a superhero movie. I mean, I think it's extraordinary.
0: Yeah, Um, I'm pretty much in the same boat there. Like, as far as a movie goes, especially as an action film, just breaking it down as an action film, it's incredible. Um, Start to finish, and we've had, like you said... 10 years of in past movies to get to know these characters so it there's way less of exposition and character development that has to happen that you can jump, you can jump right in um i shouldn't snap as much that
1: might, no, be, that might
0: be uh that might be jarring The, in the a, theater just
1: emptied out yeah right, right. <laughs> uh, people are now back able to get seats again
0: <laughs> but yeah I'd, I'd give it an eight out of ten as well as far as a movie goes and I, I mean this this is completely up there as far as superhero movies go i mean I heard one guy, he was he was saying it was it beat The Dark Knight for him. And The Dark Knight's pretty much as perfect of a superhero film as you can get.
1: Yeah, yeah, The Dark Knight is a great film in a lot of ways. And so on my regular rating, it might be higher, yeah. but this trumps it as a, yeah. a superhero film. It really does, I mean, it, it hits every single beat that it needs to. Right. Um, and I think what we can do is when we come back in a couple of days, right, we're going to talk... Um, Again, we're gonna go look around the world and we're gonna do the second half of this sort of podcast concept yep. that we have, and uh, I think we should take some time and talk about some of those things that didn't land as strongly sure. as this emotional response is yeah um, I mean, I heard enough weeping around me <laughs> um you know uh throughout the film, and that is what this part of our conversation about yeah, so let's call this good we'll be back for you in moments in the snap of a finger but we will be back
0: you're listening to the racking focus podcast all right welcome back to the racking focus podcast the second half of our show uh, John's going to take it away and explain how it all works.
1: So here's what we're doing. We uh, sat in a car and we talked about the immediate response that we had to the film. And now we've had some time to digest. You know, I listened to some podcasts, read some articles, talked to friends, looked around Twitter. Josiah did much of the same, but he also uh, went back and saw the movie for a second time. So we all have some different perspectives now. We have some different thoughts and some things we'd like to address from stuff we've heard around the internet. And so that's what we're gonna do for the next 30 minutes or so.
0: I couldn't help myself, I had to go back and see it, especially when my brother asked. Um, I was very interested to see the difference between the theater's reactions being opening night versus two days later, and the difference in the enjoyment of the film uh, was slight. My, My audience, the audience reaction for the second time was not nearly. As excited, uh, I mean, you have somebody. Cat picks up the hammer uh, in the movie, and our first viewing, the entire place erupts, right? Right. In our theater on Thursday night, Saturday, I'm, it's like dead quiet when he picks this thing up, and I'm like, why is nobody reacting to this incredible moment? And I mean, I think when T'Challa came out, that was the most excited the theater got, which rightfully so because everybody's starting to show up. Hey. Cap on your left, right? Like, that That moment there was really awesome. Uh, and that was probably the biggest moment for everybody on Saturday. But and you went to And you went to
1: a matinee, too. I did
0: right? go to a matinee. It was 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So I think we saw it one of the first viewings on Thursday night. Yeah, absolutely. So that there's a huge difference there. But overall, it didn't necessarily affect my overall enjoyment of the film. It was just way more exciting. We talk about an experience of going to this movie. It is, a, it is an experience and not just a... Uh, you know, once we're gonna go see John Wick 2 in theaters, and it's not, it's not, it's not the same. This is a, this is a culmination of 21 films over 11 years. It's like going to Disney World, but sitting in a theater. Uh, it's So exciting, but less exciting the second time seeing it with a group of people.
1: So. You know, that's pretty yeah. interesting. You know, I, I'm not surprised because uh, the movie is, uh, I mean, I've had a couple of people, a friend from Wyoming who called me who said, uh, should I go see it? He said, I haven't seen any of the other Marvel films. <laughs> and I was like, well, you at least need to watch like these yeah. five or you're just not going to get it. I said, you yeah. can enjoy the roller coaster of it, but it'll be meaningless and without some of those touchstones. Right. And... and the thing about the film is the touchstones come from movies that are less popular. So, like, The Dark yeah. World and Ultron are really crucial to this film. Right. And there's people who have watched The Dark World once or not at all, and Ultron, which is a difficult film in some ways, like maybe yeah. once. Yeah. And so those things are not resonant in the same way, you know, Winter Soldier or First Cap or First Iron Man or whatever. Right. Is.
0: Well, and that's and that was something that I think both of us listened to the Storm of Spoilers podcast for a little bit, and they were talking about... Uh, does this movie stand alone as a movie, or does it work Does it work by itself, or even just does it work as a sequel to Infinity War? Uh, and the movie does, but if you don't see it, if you don't see any of the other films, this is really, like I said, a culmination of 21 other movies. Right. And it is the ending to the begin- this whole journey, that Iron Man's gone on, that Cap's gone on, the Avengers have gone on. And so if you haven't seen those films, this whole movie, you might as well not even watch it, because it really does, and we talked about this a little bit in the first session, was it manipulates you into, uh, you're nostalgic for a bit, they are going back in time, and, uh, they are manipulating you with that nostalgia, and the emotional response you have towards the film is, like, heavily, like, we want you to feel a lot of different things in this movie, uh, and so the emotion that they were trying to evoke is only, it's, it is, it's you need to watch the other films for it to work. And it it does not work otherwise.
1: Yeah, I mean, that hammer moment is from Ultron, right? Like, the the thing it's calling back to is from that other film. And if you don't know that, and you haven't read the comics, understanding why it's... why no one else can pick that thing up right. is really important. And yeah. seeing, like for, for me as a comic viewer, as I said, like seeing the Lightning join in as well, yeah. that's a whole different ballgame because it's about a different kind of honor. But, and that's that's fantastic, but the, literally the picking up of it is part of that Ultron storyline. And we, um, we see that come to fruition, but someone else just gets the excitement of the battle scene instead of the resonance of Cap's There's a lot of callbacks
0: that happen, um, down to dialogue. Uh, Absolutely. Something I picked up this second watch through was, uh, you know, Cap and Bucky say goodbye at the end before he goes to return the Infinity Stones, and I am convinced 100% Bucky knew exactly what he was going to do. I was questioning it the first time, the second time watching it, Bucky literally says, I'm going to miss you, knowing that he's going to be gone for like... 10 seconds Mm -hmm. of Bucky's life. But also knowing that he's going to miss Cap and the life he's going to have without Bucky being there, the life they probably both should have had together. They're both out of time people, right? And so Cap being able to go back in time, have a life with Peggy, uh, Bucky's missing all that. And I think that's really what he's saying. I'm going to miss you, even though he knows in 10 seconds he's going to see him again. yeah, like that. That was really that really resonated with me this time through. And I know there's been a lot of controversy over how they finished Cap's. Yeah,
1: story. you know, it's interesting. I, I heard uh, a couple folks talk, and some I certainly saw some stuff on Twitter about the fact that you know that Cap story isn't fitting with him. It's not right. It's not part right. of his character. And that you know, I I so disagree with the idea of a man of honor and self sacrifice not having the opportunity to live out his life. Uh, you know, that to me is really. Really crucial, and he, he did—he did the job. You know, like he stood up alone. He was there in those yeah. last moments, broken shield and all, and the story his first story the first avenger story is about that love affair being broken and a promise being made about seeing her later and the fact that he keeps that promise as well as the promise to his people means it's in character yeah it's someone who I, i and if you really watch the moments with uh cap and uh uh, Agent Carter, uh, in her dying moments, there's some things there that seed this too. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. And for people who care about the characters, as opposed to care simply about plot structure or design, yes. you really are yeah. allowed to have that emotional payoff.
0: That's the difference. Uh, I'm, I, you know, I'm one of the people that kind of just buys into what. What are they going to do with the characters? And whatever they do with the characters, I'm probably going to be on board with unless they actually take it into left field and it's super weird and absolutely not fitting but going into this movie i'm like i can't write a movie better than this like there's no way (laughs) i can i can bring all these characters to the end of their journey like they like the russos did and have it actually be compelling and so knowing that going forward i am humbling myself obviously because there's no way i can do it and they can uh, and they did it well i think uh and they seeded little things along the way that actually told you what was going to happen at the end of this movie. Uh, and I'm actually going to jump to the end of the agenda list that we have yeah, here. Yeah, great. That's cool. Because it's, it just seems like the right the right transition. Um, you have the, the big three. Uh, Cap, Iron Man, Thor. Right. All going back in time to their past uh, to somewhat a pivotal moment for them. Cap's was a little bit less pivotal. Uh, obviously, you have... Tony bumping into his father and he right. knew his father was going to be there most likely uh, and you have Thor going back to where his, the day his mother died uh, those two things massive I don't think Cap knew he was going to see Peggy from the window he was I didn't think he, he didn't think he was going to be creeping through the window like he, like he was doing right. but um, it was in that moment I think for Cap that he knew I'm in 1970 right now I can be in 1945 with her at the end of this as long as I take four pin Particles. Um, and he takes he takes a whole handful. I don't know why he didn't just take all of them. Uh, maybe he was leaving it for Hank and just being a nice guy. Uh, but he yeah, he takes a whole bunch. And I think at that point he knew, like, I'm going to go back to 1945 and spend the rest of my life with her. Time travel works. 100%. I don't have to be the soldier out of time anymore. Uh, same with uh, Tony. You, we've seen Tony this entire journey, kind of be, go from a very narcissistic, self-centered, arrogant, playboy, billionaire philanthropist, as he's called himself, uh, to the most uh, selfless human, probably in the universe. And we've talked about a little bit about the other Avengers being super selfless as well. Uh, Black Widow jumping off the cliff, even Clint jumping off the cliff, both self-sacrificing. But Tony, knowing the full extent but even in this film, in Endgame, he goes from not wanting to sacrifice anything that he has. He's probably one of the few people who have come out of the snapping being happier than he was before it happened. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he he has a family. He has a kid. He's happy. He doesn't want to risk any of it. And it's in the moment in the elevator with his dad, Howard, where you know Howard says, I hope I have a girl. And he says why, why, why you want a girl over a boy? And he says, it's less, less likely for them to turn out just like me. Tony replies, would that be so bad? Howard says the greater good rarely outweighs my right. self-interest. Yeah. That line there is what propelled Tony to finish the job and, and to become the one chance for all of, all of the universe to, to exist because of this self-sacrifice because of the greater good at that moment outweighed Tony's self-interest, and that that was a huge moment. That was the pivotal moment for Tony, I think, in that entire in that entire movie. Would he have done it if they didn't go back to 1970? I don't yeah. know. And it was honoring of his father mm-hmm. um, because he he followed the path that his father wanted him to take.
1: So. Yeah. You know, when we look at the relationship with uh, Tony and his father and with Thor and his mother and the third relationship that we encounter, which is Cap and Peggy, each of those is the the relationship that makes the difference for them And, and plotting out to make those the important. Uh, drops really works. Yeah, one's a setup, right? Right. But it also is a meaningful place for Cap to be, for him to see the relationship that's unresolved for him. Yeah. In the way that the relationship with Thor's mother is an unresolved relationship in that story. Right. He gets resolution with Odin. We, yeah. with, I mean, the you know, right. Ragnarok really right. lets but that happen. But he never happen, gets it with his mom. But he never gets it yeah. with his mom, and so he he gets it there. And no matter what we think about Jane and some thought about that being an important relationship, it's not. Not as important as this movie talking about family, yeah. which is core to the entire Marvel universe. Yeah, or it, it's right. core to Guardians of the Galaxy most openly. Mm-hmm. But all these pieces talk about the idea of family. And so the idea of your family, be as, as opposed to the human family, the right. greater good over the individual good. He deliberately makes sure that his child is not snapped out of existence. Right. And then has to make the decision to abandon her Yeah. Um. in that moment which is without dialogue right it's a single finger yeah. from uh, Doctor Strange right. so powerful and you know again I'll say this You. that's why you get the kind of actors that you get for this piece someone who can put <laughs> yeah. their finger up and make a look Yeah. and you understand exactly wait, what it means right? yeah, and, you
0: understand 100% but also the gravity of what he's saying exactly the, you know, uh, I don't, I'm not sure if Tony knew like the one if that means that like they won or if Tony knew exactly. Let's see, I think Tony to to.
1: knows what he has to do with th- that it's him. I don't Tony knows it's him, I mm-hmm. think, at that yeah. moment. And and I think that Doctor Strange knows he's just told Tony he has to do a thing that's gonna kill him. And I think there's this moment yeah. of such yeah. like, what what do you, when you tell someone, yeah. listen, this is it's time for you to do a thing. And I, I set this up. Yeah,
0: right. Well, yes, and he did because he said, "You need to to, to Thanos save Tony. I'll give you the time stone." That's exactly so right. He knew Tony needed to live, and this I'm sure is talked about in dozens of other podcasts and other YouTube discussions, right? But I think without talking about the plot or without talking about does the story work because that's not something necessarily we want to do. We're talking about the filmmaking behind why those choices were made that I think I love seeing little seeds planted in the beginning of the movie and having that then come uh, because we're not I think as filmmakers we understand when those seeds are dropped and we can we can notice them a little bit more after the movie's done and we've seen the resolution whereas I think some normal people I don't know if I don't know if Steph would have picked up on that I don't know if Lisa would have picked up on that like um, our other family that we saw it with I don't know if they would have picked up on that sort of thing but for me even seeing, you know, multiple times, Tony was like, Cap, you need to get a life. Uh, I think Cap said to um, Black Widow, to, to, to Nat, she, he said, uh, you know, it's time to move on. It's time to move on. It's time to get a life and, and, and move on. And she said to him, only if you get one first. Twice, people told them in this Absolutely. movie to, for him to get a life. And so it took all of this for him to actually go back to 1945 and get a life. And uh, Cap, t- I I don't remember where I heard this. It was somewhere. Maybe it was Storm of Storm of Spoilers, um, saying it took, it, you know, Cap and Tony kind of switched places, and Cap taught Tony how to be self-sacrificing, and Tony taught Cap how to how to get a life, uh, which I thought was a really interesting thought. From wherever I heard it, I don't remember. Where yeah, it was. I
1: think it is Storm of Spoilers, and their relationship is so interesting and so complex and challenged, right? And I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is. Just Blowing the walls off with his acting, right? Yeah. The scope of what he did in this is really is really yeah. amazing. And for a guy who's been doing this for so long, he's a really solid actor. And it makes a, a big sure. difference in the, in the way that piece looks. But, you know, when Cap has to go get a life, one of the other things I just want to say about that before mm-hmm. we move on is that uh, we allow our members of our military to get an honorable discharge yes. and go and live a life and then we call them veterans and we honor them forever. And in a way caps a vet of the greatest war humanities have yeah. has. And we he deserves the opportunity yep. to experience love and to pay that promise off. And you know the other thing too it, and for me this was a really powerful moving moment was the exchange of the shield that we need Cap at the end in order to create the new Captain America. That's a thing we can't lose. We have a new Iron Man, potentially. We're iron people. Like There's a whole lot of opportunity for that. We have three people in that sort of world. But Captain America's story could drop. And there is, you know, first choice is Bucky, best friend, right? Yeah, right. But it's not. He makes the much more interesting choice. The choice to go with the guy who's his heart in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. who, ha- who had his back, like who's on the left, like that call out. Yeah, yeah. And in, in the end, who's the black character? The movie is saying, look, the world is changing and we're not going to ignore this this B player yeah. in the story we're going to allow him to be an A player. Yeah. Everyone's talking about Sebastian Stan and that he should be, you know, there should be a movie for um, you know, his character that that the winter soldier should have his own story. But no one's saying that about the Falcon and I'm going to be honest with you, Falcon was my favorite character of the Cap stuff when huh. I was a kid. Yeah. So so I, I out, of, out of this, to be completely honest, so I, I own all but 15 of the original 300 Avengers run. Good Lord. I own, <laughs> I own almost yeah. all of the Captain America run. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of those figures. And the Falcon was one of my favorites. Right. And so that transition in the comics when he moves to Cap is cool. But this choice was so subtle. And so, it's the weight of it Landed, and we knew that the transition wasn't about yeah. em- entitlement; it was about responsibility, and that's what Stan Lee wanted in the beginning. That's mm-hmm. what comics are about. It's just so powerful. For mm-hmm.
0: me. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's tr- true, and I think we're. I believe I heard we're getting a Bucky and Sam. I think, and TV I think there's a Disney rumor? series. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's one of the Disney spinoffs that they're yeah. talking about. And then now we know where it's coming from, right? We know that those right. Guys it are-
0: makes sense now. And I think, uh, I, I think the choice to we we've seen the like you said, the world is changing. We're seeing uh, Black Panther get his own movie for the the fact that we have a, a first blockbuster black superhero to resonate with the black community, uh, and then to bring Sam back in as uh, again, oh, Captain America.
1: H- as you are America. Captain
0: America. You exactly. are representing America. So now you have we have two main major Black superheroes leading the charge for the Black community, uh, and then we have this uh, this major women's fight, uh, which I so much loved when uh, they all backed up um, Captain Marvel, who let's talk about doesn't necessarily need backup. I feel like right. she could just blow through there. Um, but I loved all the women coming to her defense, uh, really was kind of metaphorical for what needs to happen in our society. And with the Me Too movement that happened without getting too political, this, that really represented what all women need to do for each other uh, Well, and people society, went after right?
1: the uh, Captain Marvel movie, you know, like there, there yeah, was right. such a blowback at the very beginning before it came out. And so having women stand up for that, you know, I heard some really negative comments about that moment, mm-hmm. that it was exploitive and it was cheap and, right. and you know, all, and, and I understand those and yeah. certainly I'm a man, so I don't have a full comprehension of that. Right. But I, I ended up, after hearing that, talking to some women who many of them were quite moved by that mm-hmm. because... For women who understand the industry or who are part of those movements, they have a measure of empowerment. Yeah. But for folks who aren't, who don't understand that, for young people who I work with when I'm teaching, for them that was an opportunity to see themselves empowered. And so there's always two sides to these yeah. um, these issues, and and it may not have it may have been a fan service choice. But sometimes fan service is about empowering an audience to to be changed, to to grow. And and that moment was powerful for me. Right. Uh, And and my wife, I mean, she cheered after the film when I talked to her the next day because we were working yeah. late that night. Um, she, uh, you know, Her words were all about that sequence and yeah. yet I know some feminist critics have been very negative towards hmm. it and for me the most important thing is, woke or not, that conversation needs to be about what it means to us as humans yeah. as opposed to what it means to some external political vision. Yeah,
0: I think, I think asking the question, will this empower people and will this make people more confident or a, a, a better person? If the answer is yes, then I think including that in the film is probably a good decision. I think the like you said, I think uh, the more uh, there's more people who were affected positively by that than negatively. And there's always going to be haters on every side of the thing. Down to you know why did Cap go back to 1945? That's so wrong. And in reality, I think that's wrong. I think it's completely right for him to go back. so anyway, that's just a few thoughts so, on that, right? So
1: let's let's look. At, you have this really great um secondary quote, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to read it. The measure of a hero is succeeding at who they are. Now go be a man who you were meant to be. Uh, and that's Thor's mom to uh, him, uh, and then Thor calls out the hammer. Right, he yep. he gets his hammer yep. back at that moment. After acquiring it, he, after acquiring it, he states, "I'm still worthy." What do you What do you want to say about yeah, that? Yeah,
0: man, I think uh, I think the Avengers in general often feel like, "Am I worthy to do this job? Uh, am I qualified?" Um, you know, I think as humans, we often feel, "I'm not qualified to do this job." Uh, But there's other people who believe in us who who call us into what we're supposed to be doing, um, encouraging us, pushing us towards the finish line. And uh, that's what his mother did. And that was like one of the best scenes, I think, in the entire movie. And that was the other part. uh, That was a pivotal moment for Thor. We talked about Cap and Tony's pivotal moments in the film uh, for Thor, getting that resolution and having his mother tell him not necessarily who he is, but who he can be. Um, just by simply, uh, believing in himself and, and just being who he's meant to be. Just let it happen. Like, stop trying to be someone that you think you're supposed to be. Just be you and do what you're, you're, you're meant to do. Uh, he knew he's, and we've kind of dealt with this in Thor Ragnarok. He kind of had a, a little crisis, right? Of, uh, am I the God of hammers or am I the God of thunder? Odin tells him now, are you the God of hammers or the God of thunder? Um, and clearly, he's the God of Thunder, hence that whole lightning, and like that's who he is. He's he's not defined by his hammer, and in the same way, he's not defined by his failure against Thanos. He's he's defined by what he's what's still to come in his life, uh, and the fact that he was able to grab that hammer and get it back uh, was I, I loved I loved that entire scene, um, and it was pivotal for him um, moving moving forward throughout the movie.
1: and you know, uh, for Thor as a character. Um, I find it really interesting. You know, we have two. We have one okay movie and one st- really problematic film. Uh-huh. Right? The Dark World is hugely problematic. I mean, in almost every way. Yeah. And then this sort of charming, entertaining, Taika Waititi, uh, yeah, you know, Ragnarok yeah. film that, that is dealing with the end of the world and yet this sort of upbeat, funny, entertaining thing. Right. And you know, he in fact has traveled as a character the same journey. We're watching him. Yeah. You know that idea of quote unquote fat Thor. Thor, is the Thor that doesn't work it's the Thor that doesn't care about who he is yeah. it's the Thor of the dark world this broken right. weird not very successful we just story. see a very
0: physical version of that we right? just see it yeah.
1: physicalized in, in yeah. this moment and then you know in, in addition he's also the one who has made these giant life killing mistakes Right. you know in Ultron we have a, you know a big disaster uh, We, he, you know what he does with Thanos and chopping mm-hmm. off his head or not chopping off his head all of those things are these weights that Thor carries yeah. and and. We as humans it's great to see the god character mm-hmm. in the story yeah having to say i'm not worthy of what what being a god no i'm not worthy of of what the world expects of me right which means these stories are talking about something far bigger yeah. than this this simple plot line and thor gets to give us that moment and i think yeah. that the, your quote is really wonderful it's just a beautifully written piece of yeah, dialogue the whole scene
0: was beautiful yeah, the, the you dialogue. just choose
1: the right actors and you put yeah. them out there yeah uh and and it really does work i mean i think that's really amazing you know one thing we haven't talked about how are we doing on time
0: uh we have about a minute and 40 seconds all right so we're, <laughs> so here's
1: what we're gonna do so there's some other stuff we want to talk about uh and i'm gonna go to main that's, camera that's, there's yeah, some yeah. other stuff we want to talk about we're going to break though because our cameras are going to run out of recording time and that's just part of what we're doing with this beginning of our process just talk about cameos, cameos
0: right? yes well, let's start with cameos because that's cameos. really brief uh, we see... Oh, we're on, Wait, that's right. Yeah, okay. we're rolling. We're good. Okay, good. We're good. Um, so we see... I believe the first cameo we see is Joe, uh, Joe Russo. Right. Uh, the He's director sitting next to... Uh, in, in Cap's kind of support group. Uh, and I think I leaned over to you in the theater and was like, is that a Russo and like, brother? Yeah. And I, couldn't, I couldn't remember. I think it is. And it is. It is him. And I'm not sure. I think you're aware...
1: On the you other side of the circle is Jim Starlin, right? Yeah, who, and I
0: didn't know that's yeah, who that yeah. was in the in the movie, but I think that's really nice, and I don't think a lot of people are going to know who this. So tell me about Jim Starlin, who? Yeah, is.
1: so this is one of those things that um, you know Starlin's the guy who sort of creates this whole storyline. Now we the characters are firmly Jack Kirby and Stan Lee's, mm-hmm. right? And the Russos are firmly crafting them into this film thing right. by driving this this sort of cap. Avengers path that they've been on uh, along with the other folks who've been involved but but Starlin is the Infinity Gauntlet guy he's the Adam Warlock guy who we haven't seen yet but I think we're going to yeah Um, he's the Drax character maker Adam Warlock's comic mm-hmm. is the comic where all of where Thanos is crucial and everything sort of begins to blossom from there and so having him and I you know he was recognized at the end of the film in a credit as well yeah. which was lovely you know he, Kirby and, and Lee get the big credit and then he gets that small credit but getting him on the screen was just really charming yeah, yeah. because the, you know as as a comic book person it's those people matter because their vision crafted a lot of my life. uh, you know, like Captain America crafts a lot of the way I see the world. Uh, Adam Warlock's that those stories craft a lot of the way I see the world, um, which may be weird, but it's what it is. Um, and so, and Starling created that, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. honoring him really matters, right. and we don't often see that in comics. The Stanley cameos have become something other than honoring Stan; they become this crucial component. Yeah. So getting Russo and Starling in there to me was just. It was, it was really rewarding and the fact that the fact that they're in the support group about the lost people yeah. when they are the people who are responsible for that happening and the concept yeah and the fact that that group that they're in is the group essentially that Sam was running right right when sort of things start there's so much going on there that wraps yeah. around us who are all like we needed that support group.
0: Yeah, exactly. And what's funny, we talked about this earlier in this little in the in the in the podcast. But you know, Cap telling them to move on, you have to move on, you have to get a life, you have to get over it. Or like, if not, like, why didn't Thanos just wipe us all out? And so for Cap to take his own advice at the end of the movie was you know very full circle. There. Uh, let's talk about Stanley cameo. Uh, Just for a brief moment, we saw nineteen seventies Stanley, hippie Stanley, I think, uh, in his car. Uh, I thought I heard somewhere online that he dropped an f bomb in that section, but I don't remember hearing it, and
1: I don't remember hearing it either. Yeah, Uh, it was. Yeah, and it was make love, not war. I think that's what what I think he said. Yeah, Yeah. So I don't know why I heard. It was strange, and you know those cameos were shot so. Near his death, right, uh, and you know the one uh, in Captain Marvel, they ended up using a different take from right. Kevin Smith from when he yeah. really did the line back in Mallrats. You know, right. there's like it's it was tough, and so it was weird. I felt like the visually that was a very jarring moment for me, as charming and wonderful as it was yeah. to see Stanley.
0: I was really hoping for a more honoring of Stan Lee in the film, and going back to what you said about honoring you know Russo and Starlin. Uh, in that support group uh, and how the cameos from stanley had they've been going on for so long Mm -hmm. that they've just become something you look for. Where where is he? Where is he in this movie? He's the bus driver. He's the, I don't know, he's charming some lady in the club or he's a DJ in the club. He's cutting Thor's hair, right? They just become what they are Mm -hmm. until his death recently and they've become very honoring of who Stanley was. And my favorite cameo of all time, and I heard this again in a storm of spoilers, I think was the Spider-Verse uh yeah. a cameo from him of uh, was like so touching, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they he's 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 talking about the Spidey suit and how it always fits. Right. It always fits and that he knew Spider-Man was a friend of his. Man, like that was that was touching. And I wish that maybe that one was the final cameo from him because this one in the in endgame felt a little bit weird, but what else are you gonna do with it? Like you just yeah, it's hey, what do do? Yeah. and it's more
1: important for him to be there for that than for yeah. it for it to be perfect at this yeah, point. You exactly. Know? Um let's talk a little bit uh, let's talk a little bit uh, about Natasha and uh and what happens with her. There's been again some yeah. controversy around that. Um and we talked in the car about those moments and how we thought some of that was really moving for us. Mm-hmm. Um let's let's take a moment and talk about Natasha missing from the final battle. How how's that Um, I might
0: might have a different perspective because I'm a guy. Yeah, sure. uh, But I didn't feel like I missed anything. Like, I didn't feel like she was missing. Um, I think she was represented by all the other women in the film uh, coming together in that final fight. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she essentially passed the torch to Clint to... I mean, Clint was out for so long. Like, we've only seen... Hawkeye for like a very small portion of the cinematic universe, I feel like. And we've seen a lot of Scarlett Johansson's character. Um, So for her to sacrifice herself, I honestly think that she did more than she, I mean, underneath Tony, she made the next biggest sacrifice. Uh, I think that, yeah, sure. Capped it a lot. All the other people did an amazing job, uh, you know, protecting the world, but she knew she had to die. And, She did it. Didn't hesitate. She said, whatever it takes. Uh, And I think Cap said that at one point as well. Uh, Whatever it takes, whatever it took was her her death. Um, So I don't have an issue with her not being in the end. Uh, I know that it felt weird for maybe her not to be there because she's been in the whole thing. And are we – well, we're getting rid of the woman. Uh, Mm -hmm. Which, yeah, maybe she should have been there in some way, shape, or form. Uh, But I think the sacrifice she made – Made it okay that she wasn't there. I, the bigger issue for me is that why did neither of them know what they were going to do?
1: No, and that's really because right. Nebula
0: says it to uh, Rhodey. They just have to. They just have to not fall out. And that was a clear line of like, if they start hating each other within the next twenty minutes, then we have a real big issue here. Uh, I don't think Rhodey picked up on that line. I don't think he understood what they were going to do. Uh, but what did you think about her not being in the end?
1: Yeah. So I, I you know, I. She, She has been a part of the story with Iron Man. Like she's back Mm -hmm. at the formation of the Avengers, the driving force of that. And you know we're going to have this prequel movie with her, this flashback movie with her, um, and maybe that'll do some of the work we need to fill in this moment. Um, That that to me is is that film's become really important now. Um, I missed the I missed the circle from the first Avengers at the end. Right. Yeah. I missed yeah. that moment. Mm-hmm. The 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 this that and it's a splash page moment, but and, and I missed that in in a way at the end. But I understand why they had to do it. And there's this yeah. bizarre like production problem. Right. She doesn't want to do any more movies. Right. She needs to be locked out in a way, and they just found a route to do that. Her the bigger issue for me is the relationship with, uh, Hawkeye versus. The relationship with the Hulk and the fact that that Hulk relationship seemed to all but disappear in this film, and from a writing perspective, that was really strange. The to Hulk me. and
0: Nat's relationship. The Hulk and
1: that relationship, yeah. which seemed, you know, the shippers ship those two. There's mm. reasons there. They really did push their yeah. connection. Um, the romance there was strong. Now, right. certainly, maybe Ragnarok makes the difference. Maybe. Professor Hulk makes the difference, yeah. but still, that emotional state seemed really pulled back from where it could have been. Throwing a bench is one thing, yeah, but that's not to me the the move that Bruce Banner makes about this woman who he cares about, yeah. And Hawkeye gets that emotional beat, which is fine. He has it. But he also has that family, too. He's made a choice about his love and all of that. And so there's something about that that felt wonky, like weird. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they didn't know what they were doing there was strange as well.
0: I think part of that emotional response between uh, uh, Hawkeye losing Nat versus the Hulk losing Nat. Um, we've seen the relationship, like you are saying, build between uh, Black Widow and Hulk throughout the last couple of films, whereas I think that Hawkeye and Nat's relationship was it was already implied that there was one there. In long term, right. Long term, Budapest, Yep. which I don't know what happened in Budapest mm-hmm. or maybe you do in the comics or there's something there. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, and because we didn't see that relationship... There's a disconnect for the audience of, well, it should be Hulk and Hulk freaking out a little bit more over losing that than, than Hawkeye having that to say goodbye in the yeah. way he did. Uh, but I, I think that's only because we've missed out on Hawkeye and Nashville. I think they're closer than uh, Nat and Holkar.
1: and maybe something happens in this prequel movie yeah. that gives us that that material yeah. that we can use then to back reference, if which I they've done to, over yeah. and over again.
0: If I had to guess where they were going to go with a prequel film for Natasha, uh, it's got to it's got to be something with Hawkeye, because if it's if it's not, then she's just solo on her own, and I I don't want to say she's not strong enough to carry the movie on her own because she's done that with multiple other films that she's been in, right? But uh, not Marvel films, but just right. Scarlett Johansson's a great actress. She can she can do it by herself, but I think she is a character. Black Widow is a character that I feel like is stronger when she's with somebody like the Hulk or like Hawkeye. Not saying that she needs them, but that there's an added uh, bonus to having you know there's a, there's a personality trait that comes out in her when she's with somebody else that I want to watch her a little bit more when she's with somebody rather than just being. A grumpy solo Black Widow going to assassinate a bunch of people.
1: Yeah, and and you know those, uh, all of these movies need that second person in the yeah. film to let the first character have uh, mm-hmm. yeah. a stone to sharpen against yeah. or whatever. It's the roadie. It may be. It's
0: the Pepper pots, yep. It's uh, you know. It's uh, it's Bucky. It, you know. It's Loki. Um, they, there's always this secondary. Character, if I had to pick a secondary character for Black Widow for a prequel film, it's going to be Hawkeye. Yeah, uh, I just don't know who else who else it, it would be. And
1: they couldn't send the Hulk off to that mountain because the Hulk would. I mean, no, yeah. she could not have beaten him. It had to be two yeah. regular human folk. Yeah, and and for me, that's the other thing about that choice that's so interesting is, and and we just, we, and I don't want to hammer on too much because we did talk about it before, but you know, they're two humans making a decision. Mm-hmm. They don't have superpowers. Mm-hmm. Neither of them does. They're just people deciding wow. to give their life to save the world. You know, Cap has extraordinary strength. Yeah those two just have skill. They yeah. just have skill. Human crafted skill.
0: They know when they hit the ground there's no coming back from that. Iron Man falls, he's human but he's in a suit.
1: Cap right. falls, he's super. Well, and and we see yeah. those things late yeah. in the movie, but we don't you know, we've seen Hulk fall. We've seen all of that. Right. Uh and and uh and, and with those the the stakes are so high. Yeah. I just think some people couldn't connect sufficiently with Hawkeye's character, yeah, and I think that 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 became problematic. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, again, my comic background gives me some into him. um Why don't you talk a little bit about this timeline thing? Because this is actually this is a filmmaking thing, right? Yeah. Uh, the timeline issue uh, is about what time travel means and what does it mean in the Marvel universe?
0: It's this is actually a really incredibly confusing timeline, but it's very simple. Uh, within the first hour, I think in the first act, they completely laid the ground rules for what timeline is and it is not back to the future (laughs) and i i think it's also not terminator
1: right right i think for sure Um, yeah
0: because the past will affect your future um this this is like your past does not change your future it just takes you out of time and there's some kind of parallel you're riding along next to the timeline you originally belong it's so it's super it feels very convoluted and complex uh but what it opens up I think is a lot of possibilities for spin-offs and like there's a timeline somewhere where Loki's not dead right? because he took the Tesseract in 2012 or right. 13 or 11 whatever somewhere in that era he took he takes the Tesseract and so there's a timeline where Loki's not dead
1: and which, so we have a Disney series yeah, of Loki yeah, yeah know, exactly solves, so solved. there
0: might be multiple timelines and the question that I've been seeing is and especially on Reddit was uh, so Cap is he he he's on this timeline and he goes back in time to return the time stones and he goes further back in time uh to 1945 but then he is all of a sudden back in uh t- 2024 I think is when this movie takes place. It has place. to be something like uh, that. Uh 23 24. And so what happens with that timeline is he is he riding parallel for a while with Peggy because I think Peggy gets married in the original timeline. Yeah, but
1: I'm going to tell you I think that's Cap.
0: Okay, because we never find be- out.
1: Right? I firmly believe that that's Cap.
0: Yeah, because I've been seeing, I've been seeing that online. Like, what well, was Cap at the funeral of Peggy while, like, her husband would be there, wouldn't wouldn't he? So, like, there's been like, are they both there? Or we just, he right? Or we he just knows he can't him? go because
1: he right. knows he's he, been there. Like right. that thing of living those two lives is really yeah. interesting. But I, I, firmly believe that yeah. that's what it is. But and the the timeline
0: right, structure right. in this film is really really interesting because. It breaks kind of the rules of the traditional uh, f- what – what is time travel in in cinema? And I think most of the time it is your past changes your future. I mean Ant-Man set up the – so so Back to the Future is a little BS. Like, oh, well, yeah, it, it kind of is in this movie. It doesn't make any sense. But like it's way more compelling in Back to the Future in Terminator for you to – don't bump into your don't bump into your parents don't bump into yourself. Uh, well, there's another one there as well. I don't remember what it was, but uh, it's way more interesting for those movies. But because we have a superhero aspect to this film, like it doesn't really matter.
1: Uh, yeah, and we get that wonderful Nebula moment where mm-hmm. Nebula is linked on the same network, and so the information shared, and it's just a, such a great twist that no one would have, like. That's one yeah. I give them that would not have yeah. been considered, and it does really create the idea of the problems of time travel without it becoming this wonky disaster area right. that we have to go back and fix. Right, uh, and, I, and I thought that was great. I enjoyed that immensely. And I thought as a plot device, it allowed us to see nebulous character development, like mm-hmm. the secondary character in so many ways who's yeah. come to the forefront. And, and you know, you have Karen Gillian playing it, who's like great, Amazing. like another great yeah. actress who both can do the pain and then is able to talk to both The broken sister still Mm -hmm. damaged and start to heal her and to herself and murder her old self. Like that's such a powerful moment. And again, one of those things that when I watch these movies, right, I'm finding messages that I can live by. Mm -hmm. It's not enough to have fun for me. It's not enough to enjoy the ride. You need to have
0: a connection on how to live.
1: knowing that I can kill my old self Mm -hmm. and be my new self. Yeah is a strong existentialist idea. It's just a strong For idea. Sure. I, I don't have yeah. to be defined. I can be by my actions, by who I, I do. It's so yeah, good. That, I mean,
0: this whole movie's littered with that, uh, littered with the self-sacrifice of her killing her old self, of um, letting the past die, of moving on, and not just moving on to have a life but and, and getting over the past, but moving on to become better people um, in general. Um yeah, I th- and I think that the character choice to have Nebula c- connect with old Nebula, we don't really see. I feel like I had a hard time seeing her character arc because she is so robotic, right? Uh, and g- almost even grumpy when she's a good uh, a, a good person, like a hero, right? She's still grumpy playing playing football with Tony right. and it doesn't seem like she's changed but when you go back and you put them next to each other you can see a clear distinct wow she's actually come a really really long way and for them to do that was I think a good choice because I didn't feel like I really connected with her all that and, much until that moment
1: and for this idea that Stanley has that everyone can be the hero that idea that yeah. you can move from the most yeah. heinous position. Right. Like like you're the person who creates the problem, we live at the end. Yeah. And flip it to no, we I'm not that. Right. I have changed and I have a different mission now. And that mission's about being a better person is really powerful to yeah. me. Yeah. Um so, so um there's one other thing I wanna definitively talk about and it's I mentioned it earlier with splash pages. It's mm. about the last battle. Yeah. Um and uh as a comic book fan, one of the things that's This movie felt like what we would call an annual in the comics, right? Okay. So they're now they do these big sort of interweaved, multi-plotted stories where for a year we're reading. You have to read every comic that's being produced to weave through the story that comes to a conclusion based in a long-term comic. Yeah. But in the old days, there would be an annual, a, a a bonus episode every year, and that annual would also be some gigantic monster battle, right? Sure. And you flip open, and there's that splash page. But sometimes the first page, often the center spread wherever where yeah. it's this full-blown moment right and that moment for me in this film is when they're and the camera moves and it's one of those moments where so often in these movies and in you know Whedon's the worst of them in this some ways mm. the camera's moving because it needs to move right so like we're in we're with the Avengers and they're making a plan so the camera has to track around yeah, the right, table right, right. right? we're right. doing dolly shots every time we can yeah. we're pushing in all the time it doesn't have meaning mm. often it's just present right right but in that moment when we see the pullback like the what what meant to establishing shot with all the open sort of circles that the wizards are creating yeah and we see the battle about to begin and we pull way back and the camera just moves in film you get a splash page that has to be bigger than it is and it it had to move yeah because the world was bigger than the yeah camera the, the could take it could, right, was
0: not big enough for it, what we were seeing and, on, you know
1: in a comic it's the page right yeah. it's like this right. there's a page and, yeah. and we're blocked by the edges but in film you can shift and you can say it's yeah. bigger than the page and i just thought that was beautiful yeah and when we had splash page moment after splash page moment then oh, the, uh, the, yeah the whole battle
0: was there was there was moments where i think and i think the biggest shot for me that gave me like whoa this this looks incredible is the is they pull out, and it's a super wide of uh, Cap in the light, silhouetted by the light behind him, walking towards Thanos, who's in the darkness on the right, right side of the screen. And that pullback was mind blowing. Um, I mean, I felt the same way. Go- going back to, uh, let's—I mean, *The Last Jedi*. Uh, there was that same moment for me of this super wide. You have light on one side, darkness on the other, and. It was it was like it was like it was ripped out of a comic book uh, in Endgame like that I was like that is a panel it, that is a panel in, exactly. in the comics
1: and that's and I, that happened over and over it happened with Captain Marvel and Thanos mm-hmm. there was this great moment yeah. she's up high and coming down yeah. and we saw these moment after moment of these big beautiful action moments that freeze as panels but are living yeah. in action yeah. and as a filmmaker that's really the way they need to find the balance. So when we look at like Guardians 2, that the opening sequence of Guardians 2, which is brilliant, right? Yeah. Um, That opening sequence is not full of splash pages. It's full of individual intimate moments, right? Right. Guns like pulling us into people's lives. Here we were looking at these big panels, these beautifully drawn moments. And they are drawn in digitally to some great extent. Um, I also want to say about that end sequence is that um, the handoff was done very creatively. Yeah, we're losing these heroes we care about, right? And we're being—they're being replaced by other characters who each get a lovely moment. Yeah, in the sun. Yeah, so they were all
0: new characters who are taking the mantle, right? They, you have—you're uh, starting with Hawkeye, passing to T'Challa, to Spider-Man, to Valkyrie with an assist on that, and then finally to uh, Captain Marvel taking taking it all the way to the end. Uh, and instead of succeeding, they they pass it back to the OG to Tony, and uh, and he kind of takes over from there, right, and and finishes his story. Um, but yeah, I love that.
1: And each of them are successful, right? As right. much as people are dropping yeah. stuff and whatever, they're successful. Mm-hmm. And and you know we see characters who we care about in the background, whatever may be happening. But we also learn that. Like, T'Challa's going to take us someplace now in mm-hmm. Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. That's that's a journey we're going to take. Spider-Man's going to take us someplace. That's a journey we're taking. And being able to do that. And, I mean, Spider-Man is joyous, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so in the darkness of that moment, letting the adorable kid run the gauntlet, right. being helped by people all along, mm-hmm. is, again, almost like what happens with Groot in the second Guardians, uh, Guardians yeah. Where where yeah, he's the, being
0: raised by parents, just superhero parents, yeah, right? superhero yeah. parents, right?
1: Yeah. And 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 I, and I thought that was really absolutely beautiful. And the you know, my wife struggled with some of those moments. The the action was a lot for her. She mm-hmm. struggled with some of the uh, being able to follow what was there, and she thought maybe it went on too long. But I don't think that happens. Yeah, uh, I think that they do a tremendous job at, at getting through it.
0: Yeah. No, loved. I loved it. Uh, and this, I mean, this is a film that's hard to talk about. I think from a filmmaking perspective because the story is so massive that you can't help but talk about story. Uh, but I think we did a decent job of talking about the story from a filmmaking perspective. I think because uh, you can talk about plot with it, with it just being plot, but I think we dove a little bit into uh, why they made those choices, yep. seeded a little bit along the way, and and more so character development. This movie is really a giant character piece. There's really not a whole lot of action until the last. The last act, is it, yeah, uh, it is a big, extraordinarily it's long. Heads. Yeah, at all,
1: but it is.
0: Yeah, and but I loved it because you got to see the characters a little bit more uh, in a movie that you wouldn't expect it to be very character driven, because it's the culmination of 21 films. This is a very character driven movie uh, up until the last act. Uh, we've already we've already gotten to know everybody throughout the last 20, 20 movies, the last 10 years. But there's still character work that needed to be done. Uh, in response to the snapocalypse, right, that Thanos causes. Um, so I don't know. I well, give me your rating for the for the film.
1: So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna let this movie continue to land as a film, as a as a film made in like an eight range, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a great film. Like I think it's a really really good film. It is a comic book film that does not live on its own as well as it could. Uh, as But as a comic book movie, it rates for me with Logan and with Dark Knight. It, mm-hmm. is, it is the greatest comic book movie we probably have. Yeah. The other two may be better superhero movies. Right. This is the greatest comic book movie. And I also think this movie probably... Uh, from a filmmaking perspective, the scope of it deserves that weight in the way I look at Lord of the Rings. Yeah, as, yeah, yeah. As it's an epic. It, it's so big. Yeah. We need to acknowledge that. How about you? Yeah.
0: Uh, I mean, it's very hard for me to rate this. Again, we've, we break it down into um, it's a movie I enjoyed 100%. I think I, I could not stop thinking about it for the last two days uh, up to the point where I was like, yeah, I absolutely need to see this again, especially in theaters. Uh, so I would probably sit around the 8th and nine as far as uh, a movie experience goes right uh it's a 10 as far as experience goes yeah. um as far as a movie goes it's it's an 8 or 9 for me um so emotionally, I loved it. I was much more... We talked about this a little bit. I was much more emotional the second time watching it. Really? Much more emotional.
1: That's interesting. Because
0: I think I knew what was coming. Uh, and so I'm seeing the lead up to all of the payoff. And so the the emotion and, builds. And so the emotion is building. Uh, that's
1: the, that's the uh, argument for spoilers. Like, that's the argument for spoilers. Yeah. So Yeah, uh, yeah
0: exactly. I, but I think that this is definitely the movie you need to see twice. If you're going to go to the theater and see it, just... Just see it twice because it's that big of a movie. Like you said, it's. It, I mean, it is an epic. It's. I mean, it's on the scale of Ben Hur uh, and bigger, obviously. As I think of epics as being Ben Hur and Lord yeah, of the Rings. Yeah, 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 right. Star Wars is an epic by by all means, and it's definitely up there. So as far as superhero goes, ten out of ten movie goes eight and nine out of t- I just I just loved it a lot. That's I great. really did love it.
1: Yeah, I'm, I mean, my plan is to go back. I sort of didn't deliberately, so we'd have this discontinuity between yeah. the two of us. Um, and, uh, you know, there's other things to talk about. There's the hero's journey. There's all those kind of things we still yeah. to talk about, but we're out of time, so we're yeah. going to stop for this episode, I think. Uh, you agree? Yeah, well, I think we're done. We'll be back to talk about how you can support us, and what we continue to talk about, we're going to post uh, additionally as a bonus, So we're just going to sort of wrap us up for our conversation right now. And uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, you
0: you too. It's been a fun movie.
1: Uh, Yeah, so great. So next one we're going to see is... Joe, you know, is John Wick 3? I think it's John Wick 3. So we'll be back for John Wick 3 if we're back for something before that. Well, we were wrong. This is the first episode. You have to be forgiving. <laughs>
0: Thank you guys so much for watching the very first episode of Racking Focus Podcast. We would love for you guys to support us on Patreon. There's going to be some bonus content and some cool things coming to Patreon pretty soon. If you want to support us, head to the Patreon. I think we'll link it below in the description of the podcast. And if you're watching on YouTube, the link will be in the, the description below as well.
1: And if you want to follow us just as two guys running around the world, you can follow us on Twitter. <laughs> at pod focus or on instagram at racking focus podcast or at facebook at racking focus podcast for your old folks like me and there you can participate in very specific discussions about each of the films that we're working with
0: you can uh follow us on apple podcasts google podcasts wherever podcasts are available and as uh as well as youtube uh we are very visual people and we wanted to record this Visually for you to watch if you want to watch us react to each other saying weird things about the movies We just watched you can do that. Please like comment subscribe wherever you are watching We want to know what your thoughts are about uh, about this
1: podcast and we can't tell you how important it is for you to subscribe It helps us get noticed It helps us build the reputation we want to have and the followership so we can sort of share these conversations with you folks and with Each other and that also means leave a review and for right now if you could just be graceful and gentle Just like pop a five-star review down (laughs) You can give us really instructive comments on how we can do better underneath. We'd love to hear that. You want to complain to us, fine. But if you can give us five stars for now, that'd be great. Later on, if you want to re-review and pull down that rating once you've sort of established ourselves, we're happy with that. We can just use your support. So if you love us, love us with five stars for right now. If you hate us, you can hate us with five stars for right now. We would love either to be the case. (laughs)
0: Uh, We want to know what movies you want us to review, and more importantly, we want you guys to be in on the conversation. So tweet at us, DM us, uh, message us on Facebook with your thoughts about each movie. Between the recording segments, we're going to send out a blast on social media asking questions about what did you think of the movie. We want you guys to reply and be in on the conversation. This is not just a podcast between the two of us, but it's a group discussion between us and the Internet and the people who have enjoyed or hated the film as much as we did.
1: And we're super excited about the idea of being able to actually include those comments while we're talking other voices here in the room with us that we could both comment with or or against. And and if you want to do that privately and you don't want to post it on one of the social media formats, we're at RackingFocusPod at gmail.com. You can send us an email and we can sort of begin that process more privately there. Perfect. Thank you guys so much for watching. I'm Josiah Blizzard. I'm John Doyle. And we'll see you next time.